Welcome to Crossing Darkness, a podcast about role-playing games ranging from tabletop RPGs like The World of Darkness to MMORPGs like EVE Online and everything in between. We broadcast live over Twitch and are open to answering questions during the show. I'm your host, Frozen Fallout, and today we have a really special guest. CCP Swift is with here, uh, with us here today, a longtime player, historian, and a recent addition to the CCP team. How is space treating you these days, Swift? It is it is absolutely great. Uh, I'm, I'm having kind of the time of my life here, and uh, I'm also really excited to be on the show. Awesome. Yeah, it's great. It's I'm super excited to have you on. This is so awesome. Um, so tell me, how did you get involved in, and when did you get involved in EVE Online? Oh, jeez. Okay, so uh, I think every EVE player has a story similar. Kind of just stumble into it a little bit. I started my first character in uh, 2004, uh, way, way back. Um, I... I didn't quite get the game, right? I don't think I was ready for the game. I uh, I tinkered around with it. I made some pretty big mistakes. Uh, the story I tell is, you know, I mined for like four days, almost straight, uh, so I could afford a new ship. And I, I mined in the rookie ship then. Uh, we call them Corvettes now, but they were called rookie ships back in the day. Yep. So I mined in that like just absolute chunker of a ship. Um, and I didn't really know how, like, this was my first MMO, so I didn't really know how the market worked or how interacting with other people worked. So I saw a ship that had great stats. It was called the Galente Shuttle, <laughs> which uh, players nowadays will laugh because it's obviously that ship has, like, no combat capabilities. But I was, like, looking at the mass, looking at the speed, I was like, oh, this ship's so much faster. Um, and that ship was, was selling for about 6,000 isk. Uh, but there was another one a couple jumps away that was selling for a hundred thousand isk. <laughs> so I was like, oh man, I'm gonna go and get me the nicest shuttle that there is. This thing's gotta have much better stats because it's like almost 10 times the price <laughs> or over 10 times the price, right? So I went over there, uh, I spent all this time mining this orb, dragging it back, uh, finally got my first hundred thousand isk, bought the shuttle and I was like, shit, not only can I not do anything with this, um, but like I, it, I just scammed myself, and I got so mad, and I like just put the game on the shelf for like two years. Um, I would come back to it every once in a while for like uh, spring breaks and vacations and stuff like that. Whenever I remembered that it was on uh, my machine. Um, but yeah. it, so when you when you kind of came back, was it was it for just you know you just kind of logged back into the game, looked at it, and went, whoa. And then, or did you actually, you know, go back to mining and then try and like build stuff up? Because I know that when I first started playing, the first thing that happened was I was in the beta, and I remember opening up the the game and just going, "What?" And playing it for probably about like three or four hours through like the not tutorial, um, you know, and like you know, just opening up the game and just trying to figure it out. And I remember my brain just shutting down at the end and being like, "That is an epic game," but I'm so much more used to like Ultima Online. Um, and I'm gonna go back back to that kind of setup and and I didn't really get back involved in in Eve online until my buddies were like you got to get back into this and you know pulled me back in um, around like 2005 2006 uh, when I really started back up so when you came back a couple of times um, what was your kind of interaction that you had um, I, I just love space right so I was always like a, a big sci-fi fan uh, and this was pretty much the only space game out there. Um, when I came back 
and really got into Eve it was almost two years later. Um, I was actually in the university library and someone on their laptop was playing Eve. And I was like, that game looks familiar. And I was like, sort of friends with this person. So I struck up a conversation. They're like, oh yeah, this is Eve. I, I do this in the game. Uh, and I told them about my experience. I, I like, I, I, I massaged the actual details a little bit. I was like, yeah, I just couldn't get into it. And they were like, yeah, we hear that all the time. Um, so they uh, invited me to play with them. Uh, they gave me an Imicus to, to mine in, which was at the time like a pretty yoked out mining frigate. Um, and at that point, like things, I don't know what it was, things started to click. Uh, and it's not that I had like a lot of guidance with it. Uh, it just, I think I, I understood a little bit more. Um, I, I understood how their ships worked a little bit better, mm -hmm. how the economy worked. Um, and I was just hearing stories about this game uh, from people playing it. Um, they're like rock stars almost. And the, the players like me, I was stuck in, in high sec and low sec. Uh, and then I'd like sneak out into null sec into like syndicate uh, to mine some of the rare ores. And I just get this huge rush. Uh, and then I just started getting bigger ships, right? So I got my frigate, then I got a cruiser, and I was like, oh, this cruiser is the best. I remember getting my first cruiser and just being like, oh my god, this thing looks so awesome. And then seeing a Megatron on dock and be like, oh. That's what I want. Yeah, that, that was kind of like uh, my reaction as well, right? I went to uh, a Vexer and then I got a Thorax and I was like, yeah, this is like peak space performance right here. This is everything you could ask for. Uh, and then I saw one of my uh, my courtmates was in a Dominic. So I was like, oh, it's this but bigger. <laughs> like I just, I just needed it, right? So I just, uh, I grinded as hard as I could for it. Um, and by now I was like starting to understand the game a little bit better. Mm -hmm. uh, so I, I kind of, I didn't necessarily know the ins and outs, but I, I knew how to handle myself. Were you uh, in like an NPC corp during this time period or did you join up with a group? Uh, I joined up with a group, not the person who was playing in the library, but uh, another group that um, I kind of just randomly ran across in, in LOSEC. Mm -hmm. uh, one weekend I decided I want to be a pirate. So I got in a frigate and tried to kill some guy in a caracol. It didn't go well, but mm -hmm. someone saw me try and they're like, oh, you want to do pirating stuff? Well, you can join my group. They were called uh, the Burning Orphans. And I was like, all right, you got me with the name. Like, I'm in, <laughs> let me do it. And, um, and they started showing me the ropes for PVP. Um, and after that point, I think I was just hooked, right? Mm -hmm. um, it, at least with the gameplay. Yeah, the the I have to say the the market and gameplay is something that just blows my mind in this game. Um, the the concept of like because I played some Ultima online, so I had like some concepts of the the free market to a certain degree of like you had to go you, and you had to run around to go physically somewhere to go get your goods from somebody, and it was all player you know kind of done stuff. But Eve Online has just a a beautiful marketing system that is just well done and then the the combat in it the pv the solo pvp the multiplayer pvp it's just it it's so fun <laughs> like it's so heart pounding it's the only game that'll get me like seriously pounding over like 10 millionist ship like just the dumbest ship because I really want to kill something. It's not losing the ship as much as just it's so exciting to kill something because it's actual loss in the game. Yeah, that's the thing that was cool for me. Like, um, I remembered that feeling of when I lost my first ship. I was like, 
I could give this feeling to someone else. Like this is a thing I can do. Um, and so when I was like doing my first few PVP fleets, um, I, I was a liability. I won't, I won't deny it. I, I had no idea what I was doing. Uh, so they were just like, yo, fly it, fly a blackbird if you want. Oh yeah. Um, that way you can be like a force multiplier. You can jam them out. Um, and that, that just became my thing. I would like show up to fights at range, make sure the other guy couldn't shoot back. He'd curse and scream at me in local because back then, if you can believe it, Ewar was even more unbalanced. Yes. Um, and then I was, I was hooked. I was like, yes, this guy hates his life and he hates me. Oh, this, the real this is hate the you can get from Eve Online, the real tears that just, uh, it just is so, it's so empowering. It's like, and it, for me, it's like, it's something like, I wouldn't do this in the real world, but it's a video game. And it's kind of like, if you're going to get this butt hurt over a video game, then I kind of, then I kind of got to milk you here. Like, that's just, I'm sorry. That's. And I don't know what it is. Like, I have this weird, uh, and I think other people have it too, especially gamers. When I'm playing a game, even like a, a game like Mass Effect, right? You've mm -hmm. got the the Renegade option and the, the Paragon option, right? Yep. I never went the Renegade option. I would never be, a, I'd feel bad. Like I'd feel tremendous guilt if I hurt some NPC's feelings, right? Like, and I don't know, like, I know, I understand that that's ridiculous, but I'd always go like the, the straight and narrow. I'd never be like the bad guy. Right. Like in EVE Online, something just, just drew me to not necessarily being a bad guy but going out and fighting other players like I, it was just so much so much more interesting and yeah to them you are the bad guy for for that instance mm -hmm. um but as i learned like as as the game kind of goes on even if someone's like your bad guy for for some time there's going to be a time where they're your ally right and you have to, to like make peace with that or if you want to just hold grudges the entire time you're going to die quietly in the corner while all the other people <laughs> team up against you yep no yeah it's it, it's an interesting thing i think it was galactic civilizations i believe did a thing with their players where they gave a lot of bonuses for the doing the bad stuff and they still found that even if you give no bonus and you give a solid bonus for the bad stuff people will still pick the good route more often than the bad route even with massive bonuses coming from the bad route um, or doing the evil act type type of thing um, but it, it, eve online definitely does have that kind of area of grayness though like you talked about of like one minute i'm shooting people and then the next minute um, they might be on my same team and I just actually had this with my giveaway that I did just recently and I just um, we brought out a bunch of carriers just for fun into Tama to get them blown up and uh, one of the locals was flying by and you know popped in and said uh, said something to us in local and I was like join us and they were like alright cool <laughs> we'll come out and join up with you and I believe they were watching the stream as well and stuff like that so we all kind of got together and it was like um, and I've been doing that a lot with especially with streaming is just finding people that are like hey you want to come in with us and, and come kill people like let's just go out and, and join up forces here um, you know when it when it benefits us and I've found that even when I was like uh, just running around in Losec doing solo PvP every once in a while somebody that I know that I'd be fighting a lot and I'd lose or win a lot with them every once in a while we'd be like hey, there's this other guy in the system. You want to go kill him? And we just chat each other. And it's like, I never really got that with any other game. There's no, like, 
I don't know, if you're playing COD or something like that and you shoot somebody in the face, you're not going to talk to them afterwards. And in EVE, I feel like I talk to a lot of people after I shoot them in the face. <laughs> yeah, that became, uh, like, I don't want to skip too far ahead, but that became, like, the thing that I love to do. Um, it just, like, interact with people. Uh, EVE is, uh, what first struck me to EVE is that it was challenging, and I'm, like, incredibly stubborn. More than anything, I I'm very stubborn, so even though the game made it hard to master, I was like, no matter what, I'm going to be good at this game, so help me God, I'll play this game for two decades if I have to. <laughs> um, and so I just kind of stuck with it. But after I got into the game uh, and like really got to appreciate the, the sense of community and pretty much just everything uh, surrounding the game, like the history, the, the figures, everything like that, I just kind of slinked back into the shadows and just started talking to people and seeing what they're doing at EVE, right? Because the cool thing about the game is no one's playing the same game. Everyone has like this this different view of what EVE is. And it takes you like, I swear, it takes you five years to really understand that part, right? That everyone plays a slightly different game than you. Yep. Absolutely, yeah. That's the thing that blew me away um, with the concept of how everybody is. When I started these interview shows, it's like almost everybody that I've talked to is all doing completely different stuff in EVE Online. Um, and then I recently got one of my buddies who'd been, uh, or well, who became a recent buddy, Samson, um, that we do streaming with now on Wednesdays after the show. We'll probably do a little raid on, on him. Uh, but the. Like, when I did an interview with him, he was just getting back into EVE Online. He didn't know quite what he wanted to do. Um, and he was just doing some missions and stuff like that in HiSec and doing a lot of uh, um, blowing up mobile tractor beams and stuff like that for people. And I was like, I'd never even thought about the concept of going out and blowing up mobile tractor beams and how that has a whole gameplay involved in it where, you know, you go suspect so you can be shot at, but do they really want to shoot at you? And, you know, you can get some loot out of it. You can really piss people off. Like, Yeah, there are so many of these weird, like, niche play styles that everyone seems to have, like, an advantage on, right? So they, even as a game that teaches you early on, you got to specialize if you want to, uh, you know, stand out. But it offers so many different, like, weird avenues to specialize. And it really rewards people who... Um, like think outside the box or, mm -hmm. or, or try something new uh, and I will say even though I've been playing forever it is one of the most humbling experiences um, when you try and find or try and go into something new right mm -hmm. uh, so I have this like this long resume of things I've done in the game and uh, sometimes in my head I'm like oh, I can I can it's not that I can do everything but I, I, I'm sure I could like wing it and get a good like C plus B out of it, right? Um, and I, I like I went into industry earlier this year and I was like, I, I know what I'm doing. I anchored the wrong sized uh, engineering complex. I was like, shit, I'm so dumb. I should have known this, should have done my research. I go and do another one. I get the right engineering complex, but I anchor it backwards. So I'm like, oh, God damn it. Like I'm just starting to get there. And I'm just, before I can even start, I'm just making all these rookie moves and I'm like, I've been playing this game for like 15 years. I can, I should be able to do these easy things. Um, but yeah, no, it is, it is super humbling. But at the same time, it's really rewarding when you figure, figure something out uh, and start carving your own little path. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's making your own way in EVE Online and doing doing stuff in EVE that make that's fun for you, I think, is the key element that's kept me coming back to the game. Um, and the only times that I normally leave is when I get into the grind. And it's like what I'm doing is only, I'm only logging on because I want to get some ISK. And I find that whenever that happens for an extended period of time and I'm just doing the, the run after ISK, I'll end up quitting the game. But if I'm doing what I love and I don't care about making ISK per se, you know, I'm always trying to make ISK, but <laughs> uh, I end up, uh, especially lately, I'm just losing a lot more ISK than I'll ever make, but <laughs> it's a lot of yeah. fun, so... Yeah, I, uh, when I was playing EVE at like my, my highest, right, I was uh, running an alliance, I was an FC. Um, burnout is, is something that can really affect you, right? It affects every player, especially EVE players, because you put so much into the game, you invest so much, um, that eventually just you log in one day and you're like, what am I doing? Like, why am I grinding ISK? Uh, but what really helped me and what kept me from burning out is I'd set like these just dumb goals for myself would be like well i want to i want to conquer this region um or i want to to like fight these guys over there and and help lead a campaign i know i can't do it by myself but i've got all these tools with me um and, and really i was too stubborn and having too much fun that i didn't want to burn out right like i was just trying everything in my power to avoid it because the people around me were so great uh and they became like real life friends of mine, which is something that I had never considered when I started my Eve journey, right? I had never been to like a, a sci-fi convention. I'd never gone to to like any meetups or anything. I was like, you know, th those are cool. Comic-Con is neat, but that's just not my cup of tea. Mm -hmm. uh, and then a few years in, I go to my first player meet with uh, people in my corporation and I'm like, okay, well, you know, this guy's coming, this guy's coming from Europe. I really look up to this guy. Uh, his name is Shadu. He's like my Eve mentor. Uh, and one of like, he's on Eve's Mount Rushmore in my head uh, in terms of FCs. And he was coming over from uh, Ireland where he lived to, to DC for a conference. And I was like a two hour train ride away. So I was like, okay, I'm gonna bite the bullet. I'm gonna go to this thing. If they're weird, I'll just go home. And I just kept saying to myself, like, if it's weird, I can just leave, it's fine. Um, and I got there and I met like 20 of these people whose voices I could identify from across the room. I had no idea what they looked like, but I knew their voices because I had talked to them almost every day for years. Uh, and then when I finally met them, the weirdest thing happened. We had so much in common, not just like about EVE Online or spaceships or even video games. Um, we were talking about, we were like, we are in the, the same type of fantasy football leagues. Uh, we had, uh, it was March Madness, so we were talking about college sports. Uh, just just everything seemed to click. And it was, I was just like blown away. I was like, this just has to be like a one-off. This can't be like for everything. <laughs> um, but at that point I was just hooked. And I think really that was the moment that, that kind of solidified Eve for me in that like a game that I will never leave, right? I might take breaks but i will never leave mm -hmm. no exactly that and one of my first big eve parties um that i went to i had the same like almost everybody there was all had very similar interests that that i had we were all playing board games we were all playing all these different you know other 
um, you know, things we all were, a lot of them lived near me, which was blue, just blew me away, um, because I live in Madison, Wisconsin, so I live, like, kind of in this weird, weird 77 square miles surrounded by reality, um, so for some reason there's a lot of EVE players <laughs> that live here, um, and all throughout my history of, in, um, going to different jobs or meeting different people I'd bring up that I play EVE Online, you know, every once in a while, and I'd always run into at least one person at a party that would be like, oh yeah, I play EVE Online, I did FCing, I did this, I did that. <laughs> um, yeah, Madison, man, that's got some, uh, that's some, got some EVE royalty there, right? Uh, you've got Matami right in your back yard. Uh, for, his, for the longest time, his right hand, Scion, lived there as well. Yep. Yep. Uh, yeah. Those. Yeah, I, I've, I've seen. I've never made it to a Madison meet, but I've seen pictures. <laughs> uh, there's some. There's some real star power there. Yeah. There's some really, really cool people here. Cyan. I've played uh, World of Darkness games with Mage the Ascension and Story Told Forum and stuff like that. Like Cyan is super awesome. Super dude. Super cool guy. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's an interesting universe that I live in uh, inside of Madison here. That's kind of always. Um, kept me coming back to EVE Online no matter what. I've taken breaks all throughout my time and it's always I always run into somebody or I'll do that to somebody else. I'll be like, oh, you used to play EVE Online? I'm going to drag you back in now because come on, let's just go kill somebody in low sec. It'll be fun. <laughs> yeah, I would hate to be on my Steam buddy list because uh, at least once a quarter, I'm going to message you and say, hey, there's this cool thing going on in EVE. I need one extra person. Uh, I remember you used to play, do you want to resub and, and be my wingman for a little bit? And then invariably they'd get sucked into it for six months and they'd be like, damn it, what, what'd you do? To, why'd you do me this way? Why, why'd you, why'd you get me sucked back in? <laughs> yeah. Yep. So in you, you also, uh, so um, going from, uh, you you said that you kind of went to your first, like, big EVE meetup um, for your corporation. So, what kind of happened after that? I know that you got into a lot of, like, historian stuff. When did that kind of start happening? Um, so, eventually, I kind of just fell into the role. Because uh, one of my favorite things to do was to write battle reports for, for certain fights. Um, and I kind of entered EVE when, and kind of became an FC when the first, like, the first generation were, like, retiring. Um, so the people that were around in the, in the beta, like the, the Sir Moles of the world, the, the Kia Eds, um, uh, some names that escaped me, right? They, they kind of just faded into the shadows. And then I was, I was there. And, you know, FCs and EVE Online have this weird, like, little club where even if you're enemies you guys have like a mutual respect for one another mm -hmm. uh, and you share stories and you talk about fun fights um and so like it just kind of started there and i got to this position where i was privy to all this like fun knowledge all these cool stories that happened um tales that people don't even that like never actually materialized just plans that were floating in the ether and i was like oh this is cool um and and yeah so i just I just kind of fell into that role and I stayed around for so long that eventually people were like, oh, yeah, if, if you know, uh, if you want to hear what happened in, in this types of fights or in, in this age of Eve, uh, this this guy, Elise Randolph, he, he remembers a lot of stuff and he's not a jerk, so he'll tell you. <laughs> um, and I, I really tried to to just lead into that because I was having so much fun. 
Sweet. So yeah, so do you remember any uh, really, really cool like uh, stories, anything that kind of pops out on you that kind of is uh, one of the cooler stories that you've kind of uh, documented over your history? Um, so one of the, the coolest things about Eve uh, in terms of just uh, the society and the, the lore around it, the, the player events, is that we have uh, an author that came in and started to write and compile Eve's history. Uh, right, his name is Andrew Groen. Mm -hmm. uh, he writes a, a great series of books called *The Empires of Eve*. I love the audiobook. I like seriously. I subjected. I recently did a drive down to Pennsylvania. Um, so for for me, that's like a, I don't know, it was like a 14-hour drive or something like that. I subjected my wife to *The Empires of Eve* the entire time I was driving because our our policy is you get to pick the podcast or whatever you want to listen to while you're driving. And I was like. I want to listen to Empire's Eve the entire way. So she was like, okay, well, only when you're driving, though. And I love it. I, I just, um, I hope that the next book gets to be an audiobook as well, because that's how I love to consume a lot of those uh, books. It's just, just, it feels really cool to kind of hear the entire story of Eve Online. Yeah, so, like, when that came out, I was, uh, during, like, the, the era that that, that book covered, I was essentially just like a P online member. Like I was in there, I was just on the outside. I could see the shadowy figures in the smoky room, but I couldn't actually get into that room. Um, and, and those were people that I idolized and I lived through those stories uh, and the way that uh, Andrew Groen put it together and kind of made it um, as impartial as you can get, um, which is an incredible like trait that he has. Uh, I think he can do uh, that better than anyone else, obviously. Um, but yeah, so so when I was like getting into like hearing those stories, um, I kind of ran into him at the at a fan fest, um, and we got to chatting. And he was like, "Oh, by the way, this is who I am. Uh, this is what I'm doing. I'm making a. I'm thinking about making Empires of Eve Volume Two, covering um, the you know the fight in the north where the old Northern Coalition you know crumbled to this uh, new up and comers in." Uh, the drone Russian Federation and how all that drama unfolded. And I was like, boy, let me tell you some stories about that because, you know, he just likes stories. Um, and he, he was like, yeah, I'm definitely writing this. Uh, I, I'm not sure. I doubt it was me like telling these stories. I think he was already had committed to doing it uh, in his own mind. Mm -hmm. But, you know, after hearing some of the stories and, and the drama and everything, he was like, yeah, we definitely, we definitely need this uh, documented some way. Uh, and so that was like my, my first real fun time storytelling. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I did a bunch of brain dumps. Uh, he also reached out to like every power player that, that was a power player there to try and put all the pieces together, right? Because we have all our, our own like personal biases. Mm -hmm. our um, own point so of even views. though I can, yeah, even though I, I think I can be pretty impartial there was always something that, that like I leaned in a little bit too much on, or I embellished a bit more, or I overstated the significance of, and he was really good at the at evening that out without calling me a jerk to my face. <laughs> um, and so yeah, some of those stories there are just, just so much fun because that was, for me, like the golden age of Eve. Uh, and it was my golden age uh, because this is when I was in like my prime of FCing. I was not necessarily like a household name, but I had, um, you know, just a lot of fleets under my belt. 
Uh, and what we were doing is something that no one else was doing. Uh, so we would take uh, armor hacks to fight battleships, right? The, the people we were fighting were the big bad, not necessarily the big bad, but they were, they were considered too big, too rich, too blobby, uh, impossible to kill. <laughs> uh, and we'd go out and fight them in like these really cohesive, tight groups. Mm -hmm. uh, and we'd win. We'd win outnumbered. And it was such a cool feeling. Yeah, I remember hearing about those fights and those those con that that concept of like, well, here's the elite guys going out kicking ass, taking names. I mean, I've been jumped by it. You know, like we have a giant fleet, we're out ready to stomp down something, and here comes fifty guys, and we're like, fifty guys, we'll just eat these guys. Oh, oh, well, yep, yep, there there goes half the fleet. Okay, we should probably leave. <laughs> yeah, so just watching, and uh, at that time. Uh, to be an effective FC in EVE, you really, at, at least what we were doing, right? If we were fighting 50 to 70 versus like 300, we need an advantage. Uh, and the advantage that I was taught by my uh, by my EVE elders and my mentors like Shadu is to have a spy. Uh, so I got really into this spying game. Uh, I never used my spies to like collapse alliances or anything mm -hmm. cool. I never like shut down an entire region or, or did anything crazy like that or flipped anyone. I just used it to listen to what the bad guys were, were going to form um, and to get a general idea of what they wanted to do. Uh, and then in my head, I'd be like, okay, well, that's what they want to do. I can ditch this guy now. And I, I've got a game plan for how I can go ahead and, and try and fight these guys. Mm -hmm. um, I, that was just so gratifying because they would get, you know, they would have so much numbers on it and they'd, they'd say, oh, well, we'll easily win. And then we'll come and, and we'll start cleaning up. And then it kind of transformed. The dynamic shifted to, well, we don't want to deal with these guys. They, they kick our butts all the time. So we're going to just bore them out. Or they were going to take like the biggest ships imaginable. Um, back then, Titans uh, had just been changed from having an area of effect doomsday to like uh, a single target doomsday where mm -hmm. it would just nuke one person out of the sky no matter what they were in. That over um, or that area effect was terrifying for the lesser ships, but for the big ships, uh, you know, it was it was less terrifying. But then all of a sudden, that one shot, you know, kill you came out, and it was like, oh, now this completely changed the entire concept. Now the big ships are terrified, and the small ships are like, yeah, come on. Yeah, so they would get frustrated, and then they like they they weren't slouches, right? Like I'm I'm painting them as these big guys, but. Um, they had organization as well. So they'd get mm. spies into our groups or they'd like kind of learn what we were doing. Um, and they every time we'd fight them, they'd just drop a Titan or two and doomsday all of our anchors and all of our fleet commanders. So we'd be like, oh, there's nothing we can do to fight. And it just led to like so much frustration back and forth. Uh, but yeah, just fighting, fighting the guys that were considered too big to fall was always the coolest story. Um, and being able to to take part in that was, uh, you know, just, just so much, so rewarding for me as an Eve player. Um, and it really did solidify me um, as like the FC, as, as not necessarily a household FC, but a, an FC for Pandemic Legion that people knew. Mm -hmm. um, and that's kind of really where I got my my full start. So where, where was this about in the time period um, where, uh was this the time period where PL was uh, spaceless, or was this when they had Fountain? Um, um, so I know this there were a after, couple different times. This is after PL had lost Fountain. Okay, yep. Um, so that so was we'd there was been kicked a big, out of there. There was like a big Titan fight that happened, if I remember correctly, and 
PL, I think, lost like six or, or eight or something. Like, there was a large number of them that got lost. And then, and then I remember the space disappearing not too long after that, or their control of the space. Yeah, one of the, the coolest things about uh, PL is if there's ever a fight where a lot of Titans are being lost, we are definitely there, right? <laughs> so that, that first fight that you're referencing is uh, in the system of Y-2 in Fountain, um, which became kind of like this spooky system for us. <laughs> we decided to, uh, to Sino in, and at the time, the, the game servers were not equipped to what we were throwing at it. Like, this is going to become a common theme through EVE if you pay attention long enough. The, the players kind of find where that limit is and then just go a little bit beyond it. Um, so this was like that first real big fight where we were like, okay, we're going to drop our Titans over here. We're going to then jump in all of our dreads and then all of our subcaps are going to come in and we're going to brawl it out here. Uh, and the other guys had already loaded. So we signed into a safe spot that was, uh, it was called a deep safe. You can't make them anymore, but it was like mm -hmm. 400 uh, AU away from the nearest object. So it was hard to get to. Um, and we had set up bubbles coming from the only direction that you could come in. Mm -hmm. So we had laid this like great bait and this great trap. Uh, and we went to spring the trap. We jumped in all of our Titans and all of our capitals and stuff. And then the worst thing imaginable happened. Nothing. <laughs> we just had black screens on all of our Titans. So the enemy at the time, Band of Brothers, they, they had seen this. They're like, oh, okay, well, these guys are just signing in 400 AU. We'll go and fight if they want to fight. <laughs> they warped into our trap perfectly. Uh, they got pulled into the bubbles at the exact range we wanted them. Uh, but there are ships with no pilots in them. So they're just like, okay. Okay. Boom, you're all dead. Like, what's your plan now, tough guys? Like, you're, you're done. Like, there's nothing you can do about it. Uh, and at the time, they were like the elite of the elite, the highest you could get, um, the most advanced. Uh, they had all the coolest tactics, um, all the biggest ships, and we were just kind of on the outside, very much looking in. And that just ended our story. We were just like, oh, this is the worst. And after that, just like cascading effect happened. We lost our region. People didn't want to log in anymore. There was internal drama because we just got beat so hard. And oh, it, it was a mess. Yeah, for the time period, I remember that that was like the biggest loss of Titans um, during that time period. Up to that point, nobody had lost like, I, th I mean, I think it was maybe a couple of Titans might have been lost up to that point. But you, that was like the first big like fireball of a lot of Titans going down at once. And, if, and for it to happen to PL surprised the living hell out of a lot of people. Yeah, yeah, it was definitely, um, you know, there, there's going to be big fights through EVE Online where uh, Titans die, right? That, that was really the first one where multiple Titans died. It was the first time that uh, I think multiple Titans had died in the same spot. Uh, and I think we lost six, if I remember correctly, between the, all the groups. And people were, there were whispers like, can they recover from this? Like, are they done for forever? Like, is this the end of their story? And we didn't know that that wasn't the case. <laughs> like, uh, it, it was doom and gloom for us as well. Yeah, that's uh, that's crazy. So, so what happened to you after um, after PL um, dropped out of Fountain? Did you end up continuing playing the game, or did you drop out, take a take a break for a while after that happened? Oh no! By the time I made it in the PL, I was like super invested in Eve. 
Um, I moved from the corp called Burning Orphans to uh, Slacker Industries. And then, uh, funny story, the CEO of my corporation was graduating high school. I had no idea that this guy that was bossing me around was younger than me and in high school. Um, and he just went one day like, uh, hey guys, I'm going to college. Um, I don't feel like bringing my PC with me, at least for the first year in the dorms. I'm only gonna have my laptops. Uh, so we're, we're closing down the corp, see you later. And I was like, what, what? This is how it ends? Like this is all this time, all this structure, you're just closing it because you're going to college? Like how old are you, number one? It was, <laughs> it, it made me like reevaluate life a little bit, but uh, we had flown with people like PL before. Uh, and groups like that. So I like, I applied to join PL and I was rejected. So I joined, um, not necessarily a feeder corp, but a group that was blue to them and would fly to them. So I could like sh show and prove myself. And after about six months, they finally were like, fine, you can join if you want. And then by then I was just like, this is, this is the top of the mountain that I wanted to climb. Uh, I had set a goal for myself that I wanted to be at the top. And in my view, this was the top. So by then I was I was super hooked. There was no breaks. We could lose all of our space and lose every single ship and I'd still be gung ho every single day. <laughs> so so then uh PL moved into a nomadic kind of uh setup. So um what uh what was it like being a nomad? It sounds like uh, it looks like you guys went to Amok and uh and lived the nomad life for a while. Yeah, we moved to uh we moved all over the place. We moved to a system uh an area of space called Geminate. Uh, which is NPC soft, so we couldn't be evicted because there were NPC stations there, and it was very close to Empire. So if anyone actually came after us, um, we would be fine, right? All of our stuff would be safe. Mm -hmm. uh, and then Seamus Orzaz, who is the the leader of Pandemic Legion, the founder of Pandemic Legion, um, had this idea that was probably five years too advanced. Um, he had this like crazy foresight. He said, "Hey." Uh, wormholes are a thing now in EVE. They had just been introduced. He said, we're going to live in this area of space. We're going to install these wormhole SAR upgrades. Because uh, that was a thing you could do. There was just a, an infrastructure upgrade that would increase the number of wormholes that spawned. Mm -hmm. um, no one knew why they made it. No one had any ideas on what to make it. But he said, we're going to go, we're going to put all these upgrades in. And we're going to live in this space. Then we're going to take these wormholes uh, probe our way through methodically every other day, uh, and then we're going to be able to launch out at any area of space that we want. Uh, and that idea became almost laughed at. They're like, okay, yeah, w whatever, that's dumb, but whatever. Um, but, but it was also genius. Like, uh, it, it's something that actually dominated, that would end up dominating the EVE meta like five or six years later, so much so that it would have to be nerfed really hard. <laughs> Um, but yeah, that was that was our plan. Um, but it, it didn't quite work out too well. People were still sore. There was still some internal drama. So some corps got kicked out of PL. Um, one of the corps that got kicked out of PL was actually my corp um, because we were deemed too toxic. Oh no! Uh, and so I had the yeah, I had the option of of staying with PL or staying with my corp. Uh, and I was like, you know what? I, I like the people in my corp. I'll just stay with the corp. Um, and I knew at some point our paths would cross again, right? Like it was um, a, a lover's spat, right? Where between the CEO of my corp uh, and Seamus, the executor of the, the Alliance. And I knew they'd get back together at some point, um, but I had already made it into this corp. I was like, okay, I'll, I'll just stick here. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, so while PL was being a nomad, um, we got kicked out uh, <laughs> into Losec to also sort of be nomads. Uh, and this really cool group let us fly with them by the name of Cry Havoc. Uh, yep. Cry Havoc was, was led by um, a, a very famous FC named Mistress Suffering. Uh, and his claim to fame was he was very much like PL. He was like a PL light, but he'd go in and hunt super cow, big game, and you know go after these big fights and go after these big posses um, that the big guys didn't really necessarily care about, but the medium guys actually wanted. And he'd go uh, and, and take these from those from those medium groups and uh, really made a name for himself. And it was really fun to fly with them. And we flew with them for a summer. Um, and then at that point, uh, Mr. Suffering was like, you know, I've got a family. Um, I've kind of done everything in EVE that I want to do. I don't have the time to play the way I want to play anymore. So I'm, you know, making the decision to shut other corporation for now. Uh, and no one really wanted to take over. So that left my group in this great position where, hey, we have all of these, like, we were PL, so we were with the cool kids before, mm -hmm. uh, and Cry Havoc kind of like, well, you know, PL's the next step for us. So a lot of those uh, members, or at least the active PVPers in Cry Havoc, joined our corporation. Um, and so at that point, you know, in the PL storyline, uh, they had done their nomadic thing in Geminate, uh, and one of their famous FCs, Shadu, who I have referenced a lot, uh, who took a break before the the fountain fight he wasn't around for fountain uh he came back to eve after about a, a year and a half break because uh, he had burned himself in in the great del war del war two uh or del war one sorry they kind of get mixed up in my head <laughs> yep um and so he had come back and he he came back to pl that was more or less in shambles he was like come on guys get your get your act together and he whipped them back into shape uh, and then at this time, after our, our summer in low sec for being a little bit uh, too toxic, uh, <laughs> we now had this crazy number of active PVPers with us um, who were eager to get better and eager to fly in like the PL style. And so Sh Shadu sees this, he says, let's give these guys a chance. Um, and Seamus, who's still the executive PL says, I'm not going to do it if this one guy uh, is still the CEO. That's oh. just a non-starter for me. Was it because of uh, the and, toxicity? That yeah, exactly. Th these were the guys that had clashed before. Mm -hmm. um, and that, that guy's name is Viper Shizzle. He was my uh, CEO. Uh, and so Viper was like, okay, here's, here's how we're going to play this at least. Uh, I'm going to step down as CEO and I'm going to put you in charge. Uh, but it's going to be like, you're in charge, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. I'm still calling the shots, but you're going to be like the figurehead leader. <laughs> and I was like, you know, at this point, anything to get back into PL, like, I'll do it. L let's go for it. Um, and so at that point, I was put uh, as CEO of that corporation, which I'm, I'm still the CEO. Well, I was until like two months ago, um, the CEO of that corporation uh, as, as a figurehead. Um, mm -hmm. But as we, we got back into PL, and PL agreed to this. They're like, okay, fine. Uh, as long as you're not a figurehead, Elise, and as long as Viper is not calling the shots, we're okay with this on a trial basis. Um, <laughs> and we actually never passed our trial, right? We were still and, and still are like technically a trial member, uh, even though we ran the Alliance for, for some time. So we snuck back into PL, uh, set off this, this golden age, had so much fun together. 
Um, and, you know, Viper, the, the leader of the corp who had put me in charge, actually just stopped playing. He was like, eh, you know what? This is a pretty good outcome. This is a pretty good way for me to ride off into the sunset. I brought us back into the, the promised land. <laughs> I, I buried the hatchets, even though he never really did. Um, and so I actually became what was like a meme CEO. I became the real CEO and the leader. Um, of this corporation in an FC. And then the, from then on, I think this was in, um, this was like towards the end of 2010. So we're talking 11 years ago. Wow. Um, and really it just, I, I never really looked back after that. And, and that's during the time where we did that fight in the North between the, the drone Russian Federation and the old Northern coalition. Um, Pandemic Legion transitioned from being uh, nomads and space holders. We transitioned from space holders to nomads um, to where we kind of landed really nicely as mercenaries. Mm -hmm. um, similar to Mercenary Coalition, who is now defunct uh, and out of commission, um, we we're like, hey, if you pay us, we'll be the elite fighters on your side, and and we'll push, we'll push it just so small in your favor that you might just win this big war. Um, and we had a great relationship with uh, X-Death, the leader of X-Death, the Alliance. Um, he was like a group, he started this group of Russian players um, that they didn't have the military might to really stand up toe-to-toe -to, -toe to the big guys. Um, and he was like, you know what? I've got, like, I've got something here, guys. I'm really strong in this Russian time zone getting some FCs, we've got some money because we've been, you know, saving everything we can. We just need a little bit of help um, to, to get some space and to make a name for ourselves. Uh, and they, so this was like our first contract ever. He goes, uh, X-Death goes to uh, Shadu and Seamus and says, hey, you know, we'll give you whatever you want. We'll build Titans for you. We'll build ships for you uh, and we'll cover your losses if you die. Wow, uh, and this offer. was just like, this was just the dream scenario for PL. So we we're like, okay, let's do it, uh, and and that was really the start of something great. And that is um, the fight between uh, XIX, which is the Legion of X Death, mm -hmm. uh, and Pandemic Legion versus Atlas Alliance. Uh, Atlas Alliance were huge, a, a powerhouse led by an enigmatic figure named Bobby Atlas, right? He mm -hmm. is also on Eve's Mount Rushmore somewhere. Um, just this this was the group that you wanted to join that, that wasn't the Northern Coalition and it wasn't uh, AAA and it wasn't Bob, right? Mm -hmm. uh, the big three were like Band of Brothers, the Northern Coalition and, and Atlas Alliance. Uh, and so we, we just, they were kind of in a decline, right? Like. It's not like we went up to them in their prime and, and did the David versus Goliath. Like they were just this this giant that was falling over. They, they kind of had a lot of strength, but they were just like a little bit too lazy to use it. Mm -hmm. um, and, and they were just a little bit too bloated. Uh, so then you, you just send these two like in their prime fighters and they managed to pull off what seemed to be impossible. Um, they, we killed Atlas, uh, we took their space Bobby Atlas was like, eh, I was here for the, the first wars. This is this is my time to go into the sunset as well. He'd come back uh, a few times, but uh, really never reached that same level that he did before. Um, 
And then PL just became like synonymous with the mercenaries you hire to, to finish the job. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's really what we did. That is awesome. That is, yeah. So, um, how long did you guys uh, do the mercenary thing for? Was that uh, was that years that you guys ended up doing that, or was that? Uh... Yeah, we ended up doing that through a few campaigns, right? The so the first one was versus Atlas. Uh, the second one was when um, the Southern Alliances went to attack the Northern Alliances. Um, they did this campaign called the Max Damage Campaign. Uh, it's Band of Brothers Mercenary Coalition. And to an extent, AAA, uh, they lived in the South, uh, and they had they they had it up to here with uh, the guys in the North, uh, which was the Northern Coalition and Goonswarm, right? So, <laughs> so Goonswarm were a small player at the time, uh, and so they went up and started to raise everything down in the North, uh, and the strategy in the Mac campaign was, we're just going to drop the biggest ships we have on every target that moves. Um, it was the first big, like, hot drop o'clock campaign. So, you know, the Northern Coalition, they were battered from the previous fight. They were still rebuilding. They'd show up to a fight with, like, 200 battleships. Uh, Band of Brothers and, and the team would just drop 200 dreads on them and, and just wipe the floor with them. Yep. Um, I, I believe that I was in Mostly Harmless uh, during that time period. Yeah. So you you were you were getting the the business end of some pretty big uh, firepower, uh, and the leader of Northern Coalition at the time were like, okay, PL, um, you know we're ready to hire you, buddy. Let let's do it. Um, here's whatever your rate is, we'll pay it. Save us from this. Buy us some time, right? Um, the the guys, the max damage guys were too big, really for us to do anything about. Mm-hmm. So we dispatched to their space and started to just burn it to the ground. Um, we're talking about capital shipyards, which at the time were a huge deal. It's the only place you can make these big supers and titans. Um, yep. And yep. it was really just their industry wheelhouse. They didn't expect anyone to go out down there and burn because they knew like the guys in the north couldn't do it because the, the rate at which the, the max damage campaign could raise things was faster than the way that the, the their backlines could get raised. Mm-hmm. So they knew that no one would ever make that call. But here, here comes Pandemic Legion with uh, all of these toys, and we just start raising it to the ground to the point where so effective after a month, we've caused so much damage in the backlines that Band of Brothers says, hey, you know what? We're having fun doing this max damage campaign, but we're not getting enough out of it. We're losing too much. We got to go back home. I remember um, that. I remember the joy that was shouted from on high. That was like, yes, the max yeah. damage campaign failed. Yeah, it was. It was really, really rewarding, um, and it was cool to be. Like we didn't really have to fight too many people. Like we didn't have the cool battles or anything, but we were all like patting each other on the back because uh, we would kill like billions and billions of worth of isk worth of stuff and then we take excuse me we um at the time um a lot of income could get generated from moons mm-hmm. uh, it was essentially passive income so we would take those towers and we'd keep them for ourselves and we'd get paid for doing it so we were getting paid twice and we weren't really losing any ships because the the only real defense for it were renters 
uh, without real FCs. So we had a great time, right? We'd kill these, uh, we called them kitchen sink fleets because they had no organization or anything. Mm -hmm. We'd yep. kill those, we'd take the towers, we'd get paid. We'd get paid double because we now had the towers. Um, and the Alliance was structured in such a way where the most active people got rewarded with the moons, right? So the Alliance didn't take the moons for themselves. They'd gear it to people who did stuff. Um, mm -hmm. And so this just led to a culture of people wanting to do stuff, which was great. Um, and it really also added, like, other people would see what we were doing and they'd be like, well, I like doing stuff. My alliance doesn't do anything for me. I'm going to join these PL guys, right? So we became, like, the hot spot, the flavor of the month for FCs, content creators, uh, you name it. And this was, like, this was something that Shadu and Seamus had... Uh, set up as a structure for this reason uh, and to watch it play out I was I was mystified I was like this is genius like they're out here I'm out here playing checkers they're playing chess like this is the <laughs> these guys are smart I want to learn from these guys um, so that just uh, made me stick around for, for more and more awesome so uh, so yeah take us take us beyond the the max damage campaign what was uh was one of the next big things that, that you kind of remember as being the next uh, cool event that happened with you and PL? Um, yeah, so the, the next time, uh, right the, after that, um, you know, the, we went in and kind of fought in Delve, kind of pushed them back. We kind of finally won a Delve war. Uh, that was pretty cool, but, you know, I, I didn't do too much there. Um, the, the next big thing that PL really had an impact in was when the Drone Russian Federation, led by XIX, the, the guys who gave us our first break, mm -hmm. um, they decided that uh, the Northern Coalition, who had, we had also saved, or we were also friends with them, um, they thought, um, okay, I'll, I'll dial this back a little bit. I got a little ahead of myself. Um, so the Northern Coalition, they are considered, they, they survived the Max campaign. Um, Bob ended up falling as a result. There's this huge power vacuum. Um, these guys had all the money, all the FCs, all the ships, all the members, like, you name it, they had it, too big to fall. Um, in order to keep their FCs uh, engaged, the, the leadership of Northern Coalition would just give them carte blanche to do whatever they wanted. Uh, so over here in the, in the Galactic East, um, in the, the space that nobody wanted, the, the drone lands, uh, was this Russian group, right? They had, uh, they had displaced Bobby Atlas and the crew, uh, and they, they had all of the Russians, uh, all of the drone regions to themselves. Mm -hmm. uh, we're talking groups like Solar Fleet, led by famous CEO uh, NFC MacTep. And that's when uh, they dropped uh, um, minerals and stuff like that for the, exactly. the, the NPCs. So it was like an industry haven, uh, heaven over there. And nobody knew what was being pumped out there, right? The secret war machine that nobody knew about. And, and that would come to bite them in the ass, right? Because as you mentioned, the NPCs wouldn't drop or didn't have any bounties, right? Mm -hmm. as, no a, as a person living in the space, you'd shoot an NPC um, and you'd get nothing for it. You'd have to pick up the stuff from the wreck, bring it back to a station, refine it. And then you have minerals and you're like, what the hell am I supposed to do with these minerals? You can't drag them back to Jeter really. Yep. Um, and so what XIX did is he set up this these buy orders. Um, he would pay exactly what you would pay in Jita or Uli or wherever your main market pub was. He'd pay you a fair amount um, and he would just amass 
these stockpiles of minerals. Uh, and what did he do with these minerals while no one was watching? He built super carriers, he built titans, he built battleship caches. Um, and this was going on, like part of the thing was they're Russians, so like uh, there's like this huge uh, cultural divide. So mm -hmm. people had no idea what was going on over there. And they were pretty ins uh, isolated themselves too. So no one had any like really good ideas of what was happening. Um, they know that these guys had barely beat Atlas. They needed PL to beat Atlas. Um, and, and that was really all anyone knew about them. Mm -hmm. uh, and so these FCs who are now had carte blanche in Northern Coalition, they looked over to their right. They said, hey, these, these Russians fight us sometimes. Let's go lead. Um, let's go start a mini campaign against them. Into Paragon so Fall, over, isn't that? Yeah, and uh, they went over to LXQ, which is a, a famous system. Uh, they took it from X Death um, in basically a week, right? It was a pushover for them. They had they had just too much stuff to fight uh, for for X Death, mm -hmm. uh, and this was a huge like red flag for the Russians. They were like, "Oh no! Like we're gonna lose everything if, unless we act." So in secret, they started building these uh, these huge armies, these huge stockpiles of ships. They decided to put their differences aside because these guys have all fought, fought each other before. Yep. They said, hey, you know what? If we want to survive this, we're going to have to work together. So you have Red Alliance, XIX, um, White Noise, uh, and Solar Fleet. And they create this mega coalition called the Drone Russian Federation, DRF. Uh, and they have so much money that no one had ever imagined so they go out and they hire every mercenary that they can so they approach um pandemic legion we'd worked with them before um and they said hey we'll give you everything you want and then some uh, we'll build you ships we'll give them to you and anything you lose we'll replace and we're like done deal and they said what we want you to do is we want you to go to their richest regions take all of their towers and keep them for yourselves. So we're gonna pay you, and you're gonna get giga wealthy. And we're like, hey, you had us at pay me, right? So that was like, that was something that we had signed up for. And then they went to a new group that had just started. Um, uh, we've kind of glossed over this before, but um, there's a group called Triumvirate that famous flashy PVPers and flashy, like big ego FCs they always have their alliance collapse because there's too much drama. Uh, Vince Draken kind of goes through the ashes of, of this group of triumvirate, makes a meme alliance named Northern Coalition Dot. Yep. Um, and at the time, they're brand new. They have pretty much really no aim, but they have a lot of really good PVPers. And Vince Draken is one of the best FCs the game has ever seen. And he's active as hell. Uh, and he can whip people in the shape like no other. So we uh, we talk to to X Death and say, "Hey, you know, can you can you give these guys something to do?" And X Death is like, "Yeah, they're hired. We'll give them the same deal." Uh, and there's these German guys over here named Evoke. They're not really mercenaries, but hey, we'll pay them enough <laughs> that they'll be mercenaries, right? So you have this DRF, which has uh, a Russian and European time zone that can go against anybody seemingly out of nowhere with these huge super capital and capital fleets 
that no one expected. And now they're backed up with these like ragtag mercenaries. <laughs> so um, we go to Northern Coalition because we're friends with them. Um, we, we go to Voklau and say, hey, Voklau, um, there's a pretty big storm coming for you. We've got a lot of good history. Um, these guys don't necessarily need us. If you pay us, we'll swap over to your side. Just match, just match our offer um, because we really want to fight with you and it, we think it'll be really fun. And Voklau goes, you know, I appreciate what you did for us before, but we have no interest in hiring you. We got this ourselves. Wow. Um, and so we take that slap in the face. We're like, okay, well, we gave you the the friend and family discount. We gave you the option of hiring us. Um, and so we just went out and what, what ended up being was almost a year long campaign. Um, and it hit the biggest fights, like the system of MTAC O uh, was the biggest fight before Asakai. It still probably has some sort of record in there somewhere. These these Russians were doing so much damage. Um, like, we were actually breaking parts of the game. They had so many super carriers that, um, I don't know if people remember POS modules, they used to exist on the outside yep. um, of POSs, like the guns and stuff. So they would go out with a force that was so big. These things had a these modules had a ninety nine point nine percent resist, because the developers were like, "Well, these things have so much HP, it would take for downtime to downtime for any reasonable force to shoot this. Mm -hmm. uh, no one's going to kill it." Uh, these guys had uh, weapons or had like armies that were so big and so unreasonable, so strong. <laughs> they would shoot through these modules in a matter of minutes. So like you have these huge infrastructure uh, and jammer passes, like crucial, crucial infrastructure around here that would just have their weapons removed to the point where CCV had to change it from 99.9% .9 to 99.99% to, to stop it from happening, right? Um, just unheard of number of supers and caps that, that had been built, as you mentioned, from these, uh, these mineral caches. And, and one of the, the coolest stories of this fight uh, that's in uh, Empires of E Volume 2, if you guys want to read more about it. I actually brought it with me. It's one of my one of my favorite, like, I'm not a, I, I get nothing for this <laughs> other than, like, my enjoyment, right? Like, um, uh, there's I'm always a down to promote. agreement. <laughs> always yeah. down to promote for, for Empires of Eve, that's for sure. I love that book. So one of the coolest storylines up here, and I think one of the coolest, like, secret storylines that that was kept under wraps for um almost a decade right um xix ra and solar fleet they all have kind of like this good relationship with the matani uh ra specifically um and and goons have this great relationship they've worked together in the past they kind of like built each other up when they're at their lowest points um xix with friends with the matani uh and, and Solar Fleet, they just kind of did whatever. So there is this unspoken agreement, this handshake agreement, um, where if the, uh, at the time they called themselves the CFC, so the groups that lived in, in Declan and Pure Blind that were pretty much like run militarily by goons, um, they said, hey, hey goons, when this fight's going on against the Northern Coalition, just, just say you can't show up. Just come up with an excuse. 
we'll give you a good reason, right? We'll we'll throw these mercenaries at you that you'll have to deal with, but just don't show up for these crucial fights. And then if all the cards fall in the right way, when we march up to your borders, we'll just turn around and go away. <laughs> and that's exactly what happened. So the Northern Coalition, they, they ended up falling. They ended up after like about a year of fighting, um, the groups all broke up. Uh, and then, you know, Tribute Falls, a huge, huge thing. This is uh, a region that had never been conquered really before. Uh, this region falls to the Drone Russians. The Drone Russians don't want anything to do with the space, right? They just didn't want these guys kicking their ass in some time. Um, so they just pushed down this space and they let anyone take it, whoever they whoever wanted. So they get to the border of Declan, uh, like Venal and Tribute and Fade. Uh, and we think that this this war machine is just going to keep on going all the way through, and then they go, okay, we're done, and they pull all the way back to drones. So now there's just rubble in the north, and the only group that is still left standing, essentially unscathed, is this group called uh, called that would end up calling themselves the Clusterfuck Coalition (CFC), mm-hmm. uh, and the Matani and their group they say, hey. Guys, we've worked with you before. We consider you friends. You can join our coalition and we can rebuild together. Uh, and that really sets the precedent for even now in EVE Online, right? So the, the CFC ends up rebranding themselves the Imperium. They become the powerhouse, right? But they don't make the same mistakes um, that their predecessors made and their former allies made in Northern Coalition. They have seen how these things play out so they go ahead and they set up a, a structure, uh, a social structure that is the best in gaming. Uh, I, I think it's safe to say not only the best in but the best in gaming uh, to the point where they get so big and so large um, and just so functional. And that, so filled with IT. Like the yeah. their IT backbone um, is better than... Well, it's not that hard to be, but uh, uh, most governments or corporations. <laughs> the, yeah, they have they have IT that's better than most like small banks. Security that's uh, out of this world, um, and you know they they also rule very fairly, right? Everyone has a voice mm-hmm. that gets heard, even if it's not actually heard or listened to. There's the perception that it is. So everyone in the CFC is happy, um, and that really just just sets the tone for what comes after that for for decades in EVE Online, even like the the echoes of which we're still seeing today Mm -hmm. um, in the the group that is the Imperium. And that that story itself is, I think, one of the coolest, and it's something that no one really knew because four people, essentially, four or five people were privy to this, right? You have XIX, um, Red Dodger, the Mentani, Shadu, I, I heard whispers of it, but I wasn't sure it was happening until it actually happened. Um, and then people like Vince, right? So you're talking about maybe five to six people that know this story um, about really how the the power in Eve has been that's been like going through for for almost a decade now really got its start. And I think that's just so cool that uh, the Empires of Eve and Andrew Groen was able to unearth this, right? Yeah. Um, so I gave them tidbits. He talked to Death, he talked to Mitani, he talked to Dodger, he talked to all these people to see, like, 
what did you know? And, and he put it into this, like, he put the puzzle pieces together and scraped off all the stuff that we had thrown on top of it. And he looked at this picture and he presented it and he was like, wow, so this is the story. Yeah, that's that's crazy. Uh, I, I so admire the concept of being able to go out and talk to all of these people and try and bring all of the history um, down into into a book format that um, I, I still haven't got around to Empires of Eve 2 yet, so I'm waiting for the audiobook uh, because, as somebody else pointed out, um, they, they have a problem with reading, and so do I. I'm dyslexic, and it just is... Uh, my brain is, is stupid, but I can talk, and I can listen, so and I understand somewhat of the English language. Um, it's my second language. My first language is gibberish and bullshit, so... <laughs> That's great. I like that. I might. I might have to steal that. <laughs> so um, with that said, yeah. So go ahead. like that's a huge, huge story, right? That that kind of sets the the tone for the power struggle in Eve Online that that still exists today. And that story I love. Um, but as I kind of grew into Eve, I realized that there's like a ton of stories like that that we don't. We just don't hear about mm -hmm. and that's what i spent really the last two or three years doing is um i didn't have enough time to to play eve at the the level i wanted to i'm kind of i don't want to say i'm a micromanager but i'm a little bit of a micromanager right and so i i knew that at some point my time had come right so i could no longer lead pl uh in the same way that i wanted to because it would it would be a disservice to pl to just hold on to that struggle or to hold on to that power uh, and let let everything that they had earned and garnered through the years just slowly fade away through like my low levels of activity. So I did mm -hmm. what my predecessor before me did and, and passed, uh, passed the mantle on to the next generation who's currently still running uh, the show in PL. Uh, his name is Headliner. We had, he's kind of like a, an Eve brother to me in a way. Uh, we kind of had similar roots in, in Cry Havoc. He was in Cry Havoc. Uh, I dragged him into PL as well with his, his group at the time, NibbleTech. Um, and so now he's he's leading the next generation, writing the next stories. Um, but that left me in, into the shadows a little bit. So, so I, if I was a household name at some point, I, I no longer was uh, probably like two, starting like three years ago. Like the new generation, I had no idea who I was. I was just a story that they might've heard whispers of. Mm -hmm. um, and that, that gave me like such a, a cool perspective on Eve. Um, where like, hey, you could be at the tippy top, you could be one of a handful of people to uh, have conquered every region in the game, um, but you're gone for a few years and you're just a name. And that, that became so cool to me uh, that, that that could just be how the, how the structure of the, of the game works. Mm -hmm. So what I started doing then is I just started finding cool stories that I liked. Um, they didn't have to be huge, big stories. Or just, I just talked to people in, in local, and sometimes these guys would be like, "What are you? What are you trying to get out of me? Like you're trying to trick me somehow?" And they'd tell me, very politely and not politely, to to just get lost. Um, but sometimes I just fall into these like weird stories. Um, like there's a guy who tried to buy a module uh, in Stacknon, which is uh, an area of it's kind of like the Nexus of missions. Uh, it's in low sec. It's in high sec plaza next to a bunch of low sec mission hubs. Yeah, but um, a lot of people space. live there. I used to yeah, live exactly. around that area. So, yeah, I think everyone lived around that area at some point. I know I did. Got um, like by Ursula. Like, 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was so frustrated that he couldn't buy the things that he wanted. So he said, you know what? I'm going to make my own market here. Um, yeah. And I'm just going to stock it. And he did. Like, like it just, this one guy one day decided, hey, I'm mad that I can't buy what I want. So he decided to throw all of his money into this project and he stocked the market. Uh, he then, you know, had made enough money because he would, he would upcharge people, but people would love it, right? They're like, hey, I don't have to fly 20 jumps. I'll give you an extra 10%, whatever you want, man. Yep. Um, and so he ended up building a Fortizar with a market on it. Um, and then this thing got so popular that he ended up expanding his business. And now he owns like nine huge market hubs has tons of money that he has no idea what to do with and it all started from this one kernel of i'm frustrated i want to do this my way uh and, and like that story is to me so cool and, and just so interesting and so like so eve yeah right? it, it is like the quintessential eve story no, absolutely. Yeah, it, it reminds me a lot of uh, the notorious news. Like I just, I was stumbling around, just uh, tr you know, flying around and hang out a lot in Nisawa and stuff. And one of my buddies, like, I'm like, we should set up a uh, some some stuff in Nisawa and, and get it set up here. And we got blown up by the the uh, um, the Koreans there, Nisawa cartel. And so at first we were, and, but they came in and they were like, hey, what are you doing? Why would you? Why would you try and put up a structure in our system? Come on, guys. And we were like, I don't know. We just we just want to make drugs, man. <laughs> like that's all we care about. We just want to make drugs and have fun. And they're like, cool. Join up with us. So we joined up with them. And but we were like, where do we want to set up? And my buddy was flying around into Taurus and saw the Notorious News, and he's like, what is this? It's a YouTube series that's like a seven-minute clip every single day that has like the local news of like Eve Online and like. It's just quintessentially Eve. Like, it's not, not everybody knows about Notorious News. It's not like it's a huge, you know, there, it gets hundreds, you know, of views, but it's not like thousands or talking in stations type of, of level, but it's the local news. And and it just made me fall in love with Eve, like, doubly so all over again. I was like, oh man, okay, we're gonna live in Notorious and we're gonna hang out, we're gonna talk to Mr. Monopoly all the time, and we're gonna work with the Mono with the, the Notorious News because this is the coolest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, just, and I love that he is like, he goes through the kill boards and is like, oh, well, this guy is the winner for the day, scored the most points. Uh, like, this guy died over here doing something. It's just like these... It's a special interest piece every day. Yeah. Um. Out of I just out of nowhere and like you you said it you nailed it right like this guy's not out for fame, he's not out to to be the next like the Matani or anything like that. Mm -hmm. He's just like, I like this system. I'm I want to report on what happens here. Like this is this is cool to me. And he just has this, um, this just broadcast that goes out. Uh, another one of my favorite stories is. Um, and, and this is one that, that got a lot of traction, so everyone knows about it. So I can't really like uh, say it's a small story, but the, the story of Katya Say, right? You have this guy who starts his journey through Eve and says, hey, I'm going to go through every system and take a picture there. Yep. And he does it. But you have this guy who is a pacifist, a literal pacifist in the game, hasn't killed anyone. He goes through every system and he's just like... As he's getting closer, his corpmates are like helping him along the way. 
Um, and they're also pretty much pacifists too. Like they're super nice people that'll rescue you from wormholes if you get lost. Uh, and they update like meticulously like Thera and they map it out. Um, and they're just cartographers and researchers and explorers. And they see that their friend and, and courtmates are getting close to this thing that, I mean, I guess every, every Eve player has thought about it at some point. Like, oh, there's a bunch of systems. I wonder if I've gone through them all. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, this I've, guy's I've like, checked out the map and been like, uh, you know, I've, I've got a lot. Yeah, but this guy just goes, yeah, I'm going to go do it. And then he does, and then the people around him help him so he can get into every wormhole. Um, and they just have this huge celebration for him. He didn't do this to get, like, a Guinness World Record or anything. He just did it because he was like, I'm going to do this. <laughs> like, And no one told him no. No one was like, hey, yeah, you can't do that or you shouldn't do that. He was just like... Yeah, I'm gonna do it, and he and he did it. The madman did it. Um, and just, every the story is like that. It's unbelievable. The yeah. amount of time that it had to have taken to like just get all of that done and to just to think about it. Um, yeah, it's just it's crazy. All the just the little like in like that didn't make him any isk. That didn't make you know. It's not. There's no reason to do it other than it's cool. And, and then to follow through with it all, you know, it's just crazy. The little things in Eve that just make it so freaking cool. Um, you know, like, I, I, I've i got a story of somebody, it was me. But uh, there's, there's a person, you know, out there, somebody, um, who decided to take a Dominix when they were, like, three months into the game and, and go, I want to go check out Nullsec. And, and go out to the drone lands to where all the Russians are. <laughs> well, I don't know if the Russians were there. It was like 2006, 2000, early 2007. And I don't remember who was out there, but I do know it was, it was uh, people that spoke a language that I didn't speak. Um, I fly out there, I start killing some drones, see that there's, uh, there's minerals inside of them, and I'm like, oh, cool. Okay, I got a dock in one of these stations, so I like fly up to one of the stations, and I'm like, hey, in local, hey, can you let me dock here? Like, I just wanna, I just wanna deposit some of my stuff that I got from all these NPCs I've been killing that I filled myself up with. And all of a sudden, they're, they're like, "What are you doing here?" Like, no, get out! Like, and all of a sudden, people start undocking, and I'm just like, "Oh crap! I gotta get out of here!" Like, and I just, I just go for a run and just randomly picking systems to jump into, and somehow, some way, with the Dominics, I get back to to high sec. Like I'm like I have no idea how I even got here. What that is, is quite on? the journey. Like you're in a, a potato of a ship, right? Oh, and I was being chased the whole time. Like they were, they were like as soon as I hit warp, they were warping right behind me. But it was during the time period where the warps weren't all changed out and stuff like that. So a, a big potato ship, if you didn't know where the hell he was going. It's a little bit harder to chase him down way back in the day. So I somehow, like, and I'm pretty sure I just took the weirdest routes because I didn't set an autopilot or anything. I just started randomly warping to gates, and I didn't, I didn't even go to planets or anything. I just kept on going from gate to gate to gate, and I didn't even know where the hell I was going. And it's not like they they found an intruder. You you intruded into their backyard and then shouted, "Hey, I'm in your backyard. Let me in your house." They're like, "Oh shit, this guy's over here. Let's chase him out." Uh, yeah, th those like, those like, I guess they're like capers are some of my favorite things. And everyone has uh, a story that's similar. And getting people to to trust you enough to tell you those stories um, is is just what I I've come to love in Eve. Right, like that's 
that's kind of really what, what led me to the path of, of joining CCP uh, as a community developer because, hey, as a job, I can wake up every morning, talk to these people that have the best stories, uh, people that I really are like, uh, they're really my people, right? Like Eve players I identify with, um, even if you do something that I've never done before. I want to learn about it. I want to know what you've done. I want to help you create more cool stories, even if I'm the only one who hears about it, or, or maybe your friend is the only one that knows about it. I want to facilitate like those interactions because I think they're just so cool, so interesting and unique, uh, and something that you can't get in other games. Absolutely. So tell us, how did you get involved with CCP? How, did, did, was it something that you reached out to them or did they reach out to you? Like, how, how did that interaction go with becoming part of the team? So through my journey through uh, EVE Online, I decided, like, after, I mentioned after that first, like, community event, I went to all the other ones, right? So I went to every EVE Vegas, I went to every EVE Fan Fest. Um, I ran for the CSM. Uh, three times I got in twice <laughs> the first time I I failed horribly um, actually not horribly I, I came like two spots out of like the oh that's not bad 16 yeah so it's just on the outside um, and it was actually at that point where I decided to get more involved in the community make a make a name for myself so I ran again in CSM 6 uh, was elected there uh, decided to go for the continuation for CSM 7 uh, and by then I was like okay this is this is too much work to do and run an alliance and FC and do all this. Um, so I let it, I kind of uh, dropped out after CSM 7. Uh, but one of the, like my passion projects in EVE was the alliance tournament. Yes. Um, so I got to fly in the alliance tournament and I got sucked into that like no other. Uh, theory crafting, we'd spend months, literal months practicing, coming up with different strategies just going through muscle memory, figuring out what worked against what and what didn't work, what strategies we could employ. Um, and this is like high pressure shit for, for very little reward if you screw up. Um, and then, but PL had this pedigree of being champions. So I was, I was uh, fortunate enough to join in. Uh, in my first Alliance tournament, I got a gold medal and I was like, all right, I wanna do more of this. Um, so I, I did, and then, you know, I applied to be a commentator for the Alliance tournament, and I love that, right? I could, uh, like, give people some insight, share that passion that you can't really see when there's just these little pixels going around. Mm -hmm. um, it's hard to put into context, like, the work that went in behind that uh, and the crazy strategies, like, the split-second decision-making. I your commentary is like solid. I, I always enjoyed it when I heard that during the, the Alliance tournament. And it's oh, it's thanks. it's coming back though because I, I was like, I know his voice. Like I, not not just from uh, talking in stations and stuff like that, but I'm like I'm like it sounds very familiar and then when you started saying that you were doing the, the commentary for the I was like, ah, oh, the Eve Alliance tournament. I remember that. Okay. Yeah, so I did the Alliance tournament, uh, and at the time, uh, CCP sponsored it. So for the finals, they would fly you, or the, the last two weekends, they'd fly you out to Reykjavik so you could be in the studio with them. Um, and I had been there before for the CSM, but for the CSM, it was all work. For the Alliance tournament, it's uh, like four days of work with like five days or six days of just hanging around. Um, so I'd like hang around the office. They'd be like, yeah, just don't, don't break anything uh, if you want. 
you're in this beautiful country, you can go explore it if you want, but you can also just sit around the office and, and talk about Eve if you want. So that's that's when I first like interacted with CCP as the company. Uh, and then I did more things uh, with the community and with CCP. I did uh, Eve TV uh, so, a little bit. Somebody Sorry, mentioned like a, somebody mentioned that there was a famous white suit volcano incident. Is that is that something yeah. that happened around this time period or? That's that's not a story I'm really proud of. Okay, so <laughs> uh, I'm elected for CSM six. Uh, I'm technically an alternate. Um, so I can be in all the meetings, but I don't get flown out to Iceland for the summits. I'm just um, uh, in the televised summits. The CSM structure has completely changed since then. So if, if people aren't aware of how that worked, don't worry, that's long gone. Um, but three days before the summit or four days before the summit, um, one of the main CSM members says, hey, shit, I've got something going on. I can't go to Iceland for a week or for five days. Um, and so I'm like, okay, well, uh, at the time, I'm just in my first year of graduate school. Um, I'm living in New York. I just moved from Florida to New York to, to go to graduate school. Um, I've kind of got nothing going on. I'm pretty good with my classes. It, it hits a, a pretty good time schedule for me. So I'm like, yeah, sure, I'll go. Um, and then for some reason in my head, I think, hey, it would be really funny if I show up to that first meeting. They have no idea what to expect from me. Um, so I'll just wear this white seersucker suit uh, and like a, a paisley purple shirt um, and like this goofy hat. And they'll think I'm the weirdest dude. Uh, and then after that, I'll just change into my normal clothes. Um, and it'll just be like my prank. Uh, and so I was like this in my head and I don't know what like mental state I was in at the time, but in my head, like this was the best prank I could play on them ever. They'd like see me walk in and be like, oh shit, this guy's weird. And then I'd be normal and be like, haha, gotcha. Um, so I fly from JFK to Keflavik Airport. Um, I get off the plane in my goofy white suit. I'm met by uh, the CCP taxi driver who's gonna take me to the office because everything was so last minute. I actually take the red eye to Iceland, um, more or less. So I, I leave in the afternoon. I get there uh, like six in the morning, um, and the meeting's meant to start at nine. So I'm like, well, I slept on the plane. I'm, I'm okay. I look like I just got off a six-hour flight in this goofy suit. So I go to get my bags, and I'm at the, the little kiosk, little uh, turnstile thing, and my bag's not coming out. Like, okay, where's where's my bag? Um, so I, I I wait, I wait, I wait. I, I have the the CCP taxi drivers out there, like, hey man, your meeting starts pretty soon. We gotta get going. I'm like, my bag isn't coming out. He's like, oh yeah, they lose bags all the time. Um, yeah, you're just gonna have to deal with it. Put in a, a ticket, and uh, they'll they'll get you your stuff back eventually, and you'll have like this per diem for toiletries and stuff. So I'm like. No, you don't understand. I need my bag. Look at me. I need my bag. This is not my style or anything. The guy's like, whatever. You're like 22, this dumb kid doing dumb kid stuff. I could care less. Just get in the cab and let me take you to the offices um, and we'll get you sorted later. So I file like the missing bag thing. Um, I'm like all frazzled and stressed out now because all of my notes are in my luggage as well. Um, my laptop's in there. 
So I show up to CCP offices at like 11.30 in the morning. Uh, they had been uh, in meetings since like nine. So I show up uh, into this, it's literally the boardroom is where the, the CSM meetings are held. The, like the C-level executive boardroom at CCP. And I just stumble in looking like God knows what in a suit that doesn't fit me because I just got it off the rack because what sort of maniac has a, a white seersucker tailored suit at 22? So this suit like doesn't fit me. It's all wrinkled. I'm like frazzled to all hell with no supplies, no preparations. And I just sit down in this chair and I can feel every eye on me right and this is my first um like my first meeting of people at ccp in any official capacity my former alliance mate um uh, who's now a senior game developer at ccp uh, this was like his first time meeting me um and, and someone i had flown with before ccp rise as he was a player named kill two um, our paths had crossed a little bit like this was his first uh, time meeting me as well. Like they'd been at the company for like less than a year. So they're like, oh, okay, this is you, huh? Okay, cool. And I'm like, oh, fuck. And I'm just mortified the entire time. And so I get back to the hotel, like just exhausted. I, I, I don't think I said a single word in any of those meetings because I just had no, nothing to contribute besides just like, let me just sink into my chair back further and further. Um, and so I, I get back to the hotel after the night. Everyone's like, going out for drinks and stuff. Do you want to join? I'm like, no, I don't. I just want to go to sleep. I want to wake up with my luggage. Um, so I call Iceland there. They're like, yeah, we found your bag. It's still in JFK. Um, we couldn't get it on the flight today, though. Uh, and there's only one flight a day. So we're probably going to get it on the next day. And I'm like, oh, no. Like, you don't understand. I need this. And again... In my dumb 22-year-old mind, I had just moved from Florida to go to graduate school in New York. Um, the cost of living increase from Florida to New York was very real. And as a graduate student, I didn't have a lot of cash. So in my in my brain, like I couldn't buy new clothes. Like that just wasn't an option. I had the financial means, <laughs> right? and there was like a shop right across from me that I could even see from my hotel room. But it just didn't click in my head that that was an option. So I was like, shit. I've got to go to this next meeting the next day in the same dumb white suit. So I do, but this time I'm able to contribute because I've got like a good night of sleep. I've kind of like composed myself. I have a good time. People are like, okay, this guy's normal. He just has a weird, weird style. Um, <laughs> but they accept me anyways because they see the work I'm doing, which was more than I deserved, I think. I try to tell them the story about the prank and like some people are like, okay that's cool but why like i don't get it like what's the joke you just you want to look like an idiot for a day but now you're looking like an idiot for two days like i, I don't get it i'm like well at the time it was funny um anyways, I, I find uh, i think that this is brilliant <laughs> <laughs> i end up on the third day which is the final day of the meetings i end up getting my luggage back um and of course it doesn't come in the morning uh, they don't get it to my hotel room before the day starts. They end up getting it at noon. So I have to go in that same like shirt and, and seersucker pants um, until noon. So at lunch, I run back to the hotel room, um, change, 
getting the normal clothes and people were just like oh your luggage came in i'm like yeah i can finally be normal <laughs> and so like okay well that's cool you've got like one extra day here uh at the same time because it's iceland and why not um as my plane home is about to uh get ready to board there is a volcano that erupts that stops international travel because the ash ends up getting in the jet stream Oh no! And uh, this isn't like the big one that canceled international travel for like summer. This is just a smaller one that canceled international international travel for a week. Um, so here I am sitting pretty with all of my brand new like clothes in this clean clothes, um, but I can't get back home and I've got like exams and stuff. So I have to like email my professors and say, "Hey, sorry, I can't like show up." I'm stuck in Iceland and there's a volcano keeping me from coming. And they're like, okay, what's your real excuse? Like, th this is clearly just made up. Um, and so this is like the next phase of my struggle is convincing them that no, 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 I really do. Like, I'm an elected, an elected uh, member for this like space video game. And I'm doing like, uh, I'm liaising with uh, this, this company in Iceland and they flew me out here and there's, so I go through this whole spiel and they're like, that's... whatever, just just show up. Just show up. I don't care. I'm sure that they were like stories. I'm sure that they were like after listening to the whole thing, they were like, This sounds even more ridiculous now that yeah. you've said all of this. But you sound like you've put a lot of time and effort into this story, so <laughs> Yeah. So eventually, like three days go by. Um and by now I've I've met I've been able to hang out with more CSM with like the CSM people who also had their travel like stopped mm -hmm. um, and talked to CCP a little bit more. They're they're super cool about it. They're like, yeah, just come to the offices. You can hang out. Um, you know, we'll, we'll get you out there whenever this happens. And there's like um, there's an Icelandic word for essentially like say la vie, but it's it's more Icelandic and more like, hey, well, it'll happen when it happens. And mm -hmm. I, the, that word is escaping me now, but um, it's sort of like a an Icelandic mantra in a way. And they just keep repeating this, like, eh, you know, it'll it'll happen. Don't worry about it. You'll, you'll get this fixed. Um, so yeah, I fly. Eventually, like, I get on my flight. I've got my luggage and everything. I've got my laptop again. Um, I fly back into JFK. I land um, in the in the evening. I get back to my apartment. I crash. And now jet lag to hell. I've missed like two days of lectures that I'm trying to catch up on. Um, uh, for graduate school, uh, and it just, I'm like super frazzled, but I have this like just hilarious story that'll stick with me forever. And, um, and I'm sure, and, and yeah, that, that's just, that's just Eve to me. Like, I'm sure you made an impression too, that will forever stick in the minds of all those CMS and CCP members that were at that meeting. <laughs> yeah. Luckily um this is so long ago we're talking about uh, csm6 we're now holding votes for csm16 so this is almost 10 years, 10 years ago um there are still people at ccp whose first impressions of me are this white dumb suit uh and they're just like huge names now right so um i met hilmar which is the ceo uh he didn't really know you notice anything because he had only seen me in that one uh, that one time, so he luckily didn't commit that to memory. Uh, CCB Fozzie probably will never let me live that down. CCB Rise was definitely remembered it. Uh, CCB Carker, I'm pretty sure was there. 
Um, there is just is still quite a few of them that, that are still around. But luckily, there are new ones that don't know that story. And they've got some other goofy story that luckily I, I've, I've made an ass out of myself in several ways. So uh, they've definitely got different news stories for them. <laughs> That's awesome. All right. So, um, so how, so, um, let's go ahead and just try and, uh, wrap up a little bit here, but, uh, I just want to know just the story of how did, uh, how did you get involved with CCP? I think we were walking down that and then we kind of, I kind of interrupted with the, the yeah. suit story, but once I heard that there was some kind of white suit volcano story, I was like, okay, this is, we got to interrupt real quick just to get in hoping that it was right about the same time. But so we're going to jump back probably what about eight, about 10 years now is what we're. Yeah. So I'd been at the CSM. So I, I, uh, had some sort of professional working relationship with CCP. Um, I did the same with the Alliance Tournament. I kind of got to know people there. Um, and then EVE TV and CCP TV, I did like little segments and, and I was a player host. And then I'd go to uh, EVE Vegas and EVE Fan Fest and be like, hey, do you want to give a presentation? Uh, so I'd always do that. And so I became kind of like a, a name in there. And I, you know, just one day I woke up and I was like, I don't like being a lawyer. I want to do something with video games. So I reached out to CCP and they're like, yeah, we've got nothing for you now, but if something happens in the future, we'll we'll keep this in mind. Cool. And I was like, yeah, okay, whatever. They blew me off. Um, and so that was, uh, I think like a year passed and I never heard anything of it. Um, and I just completely dismissed it. Mm -hmm. um, and then in February of this year, I got a message um, from a recruiter at CCB saying, hey, you know, uh, we've got an opportunity for you that, you that you might, you know, be interested in. Is this something that you're you're still considering? And I was like, I, I thought long and hard about it. And I was like, hell yeah. Like, uh, they, they gave me like five days to, to think about if I wanted to, to pursue it. Um, because otherwise they're going to like start aggressively going after other options. And on day two, um, I was like, yeah, okay, sign me up. I want to do it. And they're like, okay, well, do you want to talk about everything? I'm like, nope, sign me up. Let, let's do it. Let, we can work everything out. Um, there's no doubt in my mind that I want to, to work here, uh, especially with the community. Um, and that happened like just a few months ago. And I've been kind of floating on cloud nine ever since. Um, logistically, uh, logistically, there's still some hurdles to go through. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm still in the US, as you can tell, because it's dark outside. <laughs> right now in Iceland, I think the sun is still up. Um, so I still have to physically get over there. Um, and I'm still sort of in like the onboarding-ish process because it's uh, kind of limited in what I can do. Uh, luckily, COVID, <laughs> this is probably the only time I'll start a sentence with luckily COVID. <laughs> Um, uh, has forced people, especially companies, to uh, accept a lot of remote work. So a lot of people mm -hmm. work from home, uh, and they've CCB has adapted to that really well. Uh, as Iceland has certain like restrictions on it, mm -hmm. they have this brand new office that they've hardly been able to use during the the pandemic. So I've been e able to like integrate pretty well because people don't really necessarily realize that uh, that I'm not there yet because there's no office to not see me in. Right. So uh, Nobody else is there too, so. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, they're all at home too. So they just see me with like a green skin. They're like, okay, well, this guy's doing the same thing as me. Um, so yeah, they, I'm starting to, to kind of find my way um, and, and starting to do more projects, uh, starting to, to do more things. Like I, I published 
uh, a news piece for the first time like this week. Uh, I published a tweet this week. I was like, ah, this is cool. I got time to just all these buttons. Um, that is so awesome. But yeah. So, um, what, is there? Is um, I kind of want to open up the time for you to kind of give you if there's any project that you're working on, anything you're passionate about, or any kind of shout-outs that you kind of want to give. I know you've already done one solid one for uh, the Empire's Eve. If you want to do another one, or any any kind of things that you, I just want to open up the floor for you to talk about whatever you want. Oh, well, finally I get to talk, right? Like, no, no, <laughs> um, th- there are a few projects that I'm working on that hopefully the the community will be able to see soon. Um, they're a, b- a little bit slow to, to get going uh, to see some initiatives, but I don't want to talk about it. I just don't want to like spoil it or, or mm-hmm. build it up too much. But there are some cool things uh, in the pipeline. The community team at CCP is, and, and I say this not to to, to like flatter my uh, co-workers but they're insanely talented right um, so the community team right now is probably the biggest and it's ever been in eve's history uh so there's ccb dopamine uh myself uh ccb fleabix um ccb aurora and uh ccb convict uh, aurora and convict were both former eve players pretty notable eve players at that mm-hmm. um and so they've got a, a firm handle on what's going on and you know, I, I I wasn't sure really what to expect because uh, I moved from the the field of law over to the field of um, essentially a junior position uh, at a, a gaming company. So that's, that's a that's a change, man. That's... It's a it's a big leap in like a, a weird direction. So I didn't know what to expect. Um, but these like my coworkers work insanely hard. Um, they come up with like these brilliant ideas uh, and they have like great analytical minds to try and figure out what's going on. They're super connected uh, into the pulse of EVE Online and they they know like they've got like these spider webs going out so if there's like a ripple somewhere they they hear it. Um, so even if they're not sure, even if you guys as, as players aren't sure that something's being heard, I guarantee you the, the team hears something uh, some vibration on a web. That doesn't mean don't say anything. Obviously, like mm-hmm. go into the forums, uh, make your voice heard. That's that's part of what we do to, to relay that information. Uh, but it's just you know just uh, jaw dropping to see the level of uh, organizational detail that goes into these things on the other side. And I'm coming from like white shoe law firms and saying this like this this is about as high praise as I can give uh, any other people. Uh, and that's people that I'm just familiar with in the community now. Um, this same is true for, for people in all different aspects of, of the company. The more people I meet, the more I'm floored with uh, just the, the passion and the level of work that goes on there. Uh, and people can just dismiss this saying, oh, he's got to say this. Like, that's just, I absolutely do not have to say this, right? <laughs> I could slag on them if I wanted to. Um, they, they're very cool about that. They're like, yeah, just say whatever. Don't Don't lie. That's one of the the, the, they send like a little media pack whenever mm-hmm. uh, uh, CCPR goes on. They're just like, whatever you do, just don't lie, right? Like that's one that's, of the big things. Yeah, that's huge. Get caught in because, a lie, that'll that's <laughs> that that'll piss off a lot of people. Just, just yeah, and know. Eve players are like really shrewd as well. I think mm-hmm. they can tell when you're not genuine, <laughs> um, and so they'll go after you with like uh, with savagery if they think there's blood in the water. Try to scam uh, me, huh? Ah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
Awesome. Well, uh, this has been really awesome. I hope to get you back onto the show here at some at some point down the future, just to hear about all the crazy stuff that it sounds like going to be coming down the pipeline for you. Um, and ch- I'm guessing uh, take a look at the forums to kind of keep it, keep an eye out for kind of the activity that you're going to be up to, the projects that you're going to be working on. Uh, yeah, you'll definitely see it. It'll probably be um, there'll probably be a big splash somewhere. You'll see it on the uh, the launcher as well. It'll be up there. Awesome. Um, another another project that, and I'll be real quick about this one. Another mm-hmm. project that I'm I'm very fortunate to work on is the CSM. Uh, CSM 16 elections are starting soon. Uh, I don't have the dates committed to memory just now, but I do know uh, today was the last day for CSM applications. Mm-hmm. Um, we spend the next eight days reviewing the applications uh, and making sure that the candidates have a filled out all the forms, are able to travel to Iceland. Uh, are able to enter into a legal contract uh, and to make sure that their accounts are in good standing. Uh, and then after that, on the 20th, on CCB TV, we'll do a live announcement of the candidates. Uh, and that's when the campaign season starts. And there's something about EVE Online in like campaign mode that uh, <laughs> that just tickles me pink. Um, it's it so awesome that EVE things. has a player-based campaigning for voting to get you voted into a position of of communication with the developers uh, I, I that just blows my mind I, I don't know of anything that has they, they're similar but not the the voting part the whole being truthfully the voice of the community um, you know I, I believe that brisks talked uh, back in the day about how like Star Wars galaxies had um, you know, they they found they found people and they appointed them as being the player representatives. But they it wasn't something that the community really got direct involvement in. Um, and also, just on that note, if anybody is interested on in coming on the show to talk about what you're doing for CMS or uh, for CSM, um, Slexia catching in there real quick. Uh, <clears throat> so. It definitely come onto the show. We we've already had um, Brisk and we had um, oh now my brain is shutting down. Where was it's somebody else that came on for, for yeah. I I Isaac. love like uh, where the the interviews like like the, the when the Eve Media Sphere gets hold of like CSM elections, they get to interview people, uh, host debates. Um, it just it's just so much fun like it just yep. uh, such a cool thing and the, yeah the I CSM love talking really is important well uh, that's another so. thing next time I get you on I want you to talk to you about what, what you did with talking in stations I don't think we even touched on that this this episode yet so yeah, um, well definitely this will be a part one I'm, I'm happy to come in and do a part two that would be epic awesome um so yeah, it was Isaac Collins who also came on um, to talk about he's uh, advocating for uh, Losec. Um, type yeah, changes. he's a he's a smart bomber type guy. Yeah, he's a he's a he's a funny character. I liked him. It was it was awesome to have him on. Uh, but yeah, if anybody else is interested, definitely um, shoot shoot us a, a message. Come on to our Discord, my website. You can contact me. There's millions of different ways of contacting me. Just let me know, and I'd be I'd love to have you on the show. Um, we're trying to shoot for Wednesday being my Eve uh, time that I'm trying to to do a little bit of a show, and then um, we're also going to be raiding one of my um, buddies, Strength and Samson. Um, then we're going to go out and do some corp stuff where we fly around Tama and, and Taurus, and we're just going to get ourselves blown up with with hopefully blown 
blowing up other people as well. Um, <laughs> so we'll do that raid here in just a little bit. Um, but uh, also, there is a big event that's that's coming up. Um, I don't know if any of you guys that are listening are interested in tabletop games, um, but one of my close friends, well, has become a good friend of mine, I guess I should say. I guess I, I don't really, I've never even met him in real life, but Terry over at the uh, Mage the Ascension podcast is running a online convention called TriatCon. Um, the idea behind it is if you've never tried a game before, you've always wanted to story tell, or you've always wanted to play in a game that you've never been able to do so in, this is the convention for you. Um, so a very strong focus on a lot of different games besides the ones that start with D and then have another D in it somewhere. Um, <laughs> So check that out, triathon.com. Um, I'll go ahead and make sure I got posts in the um, in the show notes for that. Um, and if you have anything that you want me to, to put into the show notes for links, um, just let me know, Swift, and we'll, we'll get those in for sure. Um, definitely check out our website, um, theageofstories.com, for links to all of our other episodes, projects, um, and links to friends of the show, as well as much, much more. Um, Thank you so much for coming on to the show, Swift, and thank you all for watching. Um, you guys have a great night, and we're going to go ahead and uh, raid over to Strength and Samson here if you, if you want to stick along with us here.